I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. (laughs) And a holy microaggression. We're talking about the 2022... (laughs) The 2022 psychological horror thriller film, Master. Professor Beckman. Liv. I think that at the time, the color white was connected with purity, symbolically. But then there was that part that she was screaming at the village kids in tongues. So obviously, some of her behavior isn't supposed to be innocent. Oh, that's exactly the point. And Pearl is basically the white woman come to bring Hester down. Hester representing all non-conforming women, of course. Brilliant, Cressida. Let's go into that some more. It's Wait a doozy. Me. Put in some some school sounds here. <laughs> like a bell ringing. <laughs> Let's put pop and circumstance, and it'll be great. <laughs> Okay, so this movie, Master, it was written and directed by Mariama Diallo in her directorial debut, and it stars a one perfect Regina Hall, Zoe Renee, and Amber Gray, our nice musical theater friend from Hadestown. I did not know she was in it. Like, when she popped up on screen, I was like, oh, wow, this movie just, like, Bumped. I, I had like barely had gotten started and already bumped up a notch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> totally. Because Amber Gray is is fantastic. I still haven't seen Hades Town and she's not in it anymore, unfortunately. But mm. I've heard nothing but great things about it, and it was nice seeing her on the big screen, getting that good old TV film money. Yeah, for sure. And <laughs> for like, sure. She was also, and we'll get to this later in, but I feel like she was perfect casting for that. Yeah, absolutely. How everything panned out, it was it was great, and yeah. we'll definitely get into all of that. Speaking of, because we're getting into everything, obviously heavy spoilers. If you have not seen this movie, please watch it and then come back and listen to us. Or you can just listen to us if you want to. We'll give you a good little <laughs> plot summary of it and give a give you our opinions, and then you can decide if you want to watch it after that. Mm-hmm. Any trigger warnings, Jamie, that they should be aware of? Yes, lots. Um, <laughs> lots. <laughs> lots. Uh, there is a lot of racism. Micro, I mean, we started with microaggressions, but also macroaggressions. Yeah. Yes. Um, there is uh, there is hanging. There's imageries, images of nooses, cross-burning. Um, there is witchcraft. Uh, there is um, uh, references to the devil. Um, (laughs) that's the only way that you can, that you can say that. Um, there's references, (laughs) there's references to suicide. Um, but again, a a lot of it is just like very overt and, and also covert racism. So if any of that is triggering to you, 
this might not be the film for you. Um, but you know, if you, if you still want to hang, stick around and see what we have to say about all this. Absolutely. I'm sure we all have a lot to say about this unexpected movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and as, and as the white male here, I have the most to say. <laughs> oh, good. Great. Love yeah. it. I Can't thought that wait. was appropriate for this film master. <laughs> oh, you know, we love it. Where's the mute button? Do we get the mute button for <laughs> Brian? I, I have the mute button. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I, I will say I was not expecting this movie. I didn't know what to expect, Same. but I didn't expect what we got in a good way. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. And even when we decided to do this movie at first, when Brian mentioned it, I didn't know what he was talking about. And then I looked at it. And I was like, oh, I remember seeing a trailer for this. I don't I want to go back and watch the trailer to see exactly what they were were trying to portray in that trailer. But I just remember people talking about Regina Hall in a horror-esque movie. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. We need a two-minute plot summary of this movie. <laughs> Watch the plot. <laughs> and this- I went last time, so it's not my turn. So Jamie or me? You you pick yeah. Nikisha. Oh, that's so much pressure. <laughs> that's that's too much pressure. I'm going to pick Brian because I know I'm going to uh, ask uh, all the questions for Jamie. So. <laughs> that, okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right. You tell me. Someone tie me two minutes for the plot okay. of uh, Master. Hold on. Let me give you two minutes and not two minutes and 45 seconds. Ready <laughs> and go. Okay, so Master opens with uh, we're following two people at a um, very exclusive school, which um, uh, college, university in the U.S. Um, one is the Regina Hall character. She's Master Bishop. She's now in charge of one of the schools um, at this college, um, and she's just been promoted to Master. <coughs> we also have... Uh, a student, Jasmine. Jasmine, it's she's a freshman. Um, this is a predominantly white school, and immediately you can feel that Jasmine um, feels out of place. Um, and so we uh, a lot. Of, and and there's an urban legend that uh, somebody was killed. There's a there were witch, a witch was killed. It takes place in Massachusetts. A witch was killed outside, like just outside of where the school is, and that she comes and haunts this specific room. I think it's room three hundred two. And, um, mm-hmm. and at three, at three, thir- three o'clock, three thirty three in the morning, that's when they find people dead, whatever the case may be. Um, and then this witch, this quote, witch starts haunting Jasmine at the same time. Um, uh, master Bishop, uh, Regina Hall is still, is, is kind of being haunted. Her house is super weird. Um, <laughs> the rest of the faculty is white and she, and the one other teacher, um, is, are black. Um, and, you know, long story short, lots of spooky, scary things start happening to, and she's, um, to, uh, Jasmine, her roommate leaves after, oh, I forgot. 30 seconds. That. Oh, um, and so long story short, <laughs> Jasmine falls out the window because she thinks she's being chased just as the urban legend said, but she decides on Regina Hall's character's suggestion to go back to school and like prove that she's like not an outsider and whatnot. This is always going to happen to her because because of just the way the world is. Um, long story short, Jasmine ends up killing herself in that room. Um, Regina Hall's broken up about it. We find out that the other black teacher whose friend is actually either white or half white, and uh, Regina Hall makes a big deal of it. At the end, Regina Hall realizes that nothing's going to change, so she it. leaves the school. <laughs> Fantastic. 
Exactly. <laughs> I have to be honest. That was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be because not a lot, <laughs> not a lot happens in this movie. Like, and it's not mm-hmm. like a slasher movie where like this person gets right. killed. Like, so much happens in this movie, and yet not a lot happens in this movie. So it's really yes. hard to like recount the plot without going into like the thematic elements because then the mm, movie absolutely. sounds super boring. Like teacher and a kid go to school there's like racism and ghosts and then one kills themselves and then the other one like doesn't go to the like decides to quit the end right that's the plot yes i mean i guess he could have just done that yeah i could have saved us a minute and a half you're right (laughs) that's all good Either way, we'll get into the nitty gritty of everything because there are so many different characters and themes that we can talk about. So let's get into it in our segment of likes and gripes. And now our likes and gripes. So I will say, like we've all been saying This movie, I was not expecting it. I was expecting just a regular, regular, regular horror movie in a university. And especially with how that university looked, because can we talk about how some of those places and rooms did not look like they were part of a university or any university that I've seen? That bathroom actually looked like... Terrifying. Yes. Like the haunted (laughs) houses that we walked through (laughs) during spooky season. What is that? And, you know... And some of it has the red lighting in the back, which was kind of when she was having her dreams or whatever. But some of the times that was real life. And I was thinking to myself, also, there's so many electrical problems in this university. Y'all should have more money than this. Why is this happening? (laughs) But some things that I, because it was expected, unexpected, I have mixed feelings about it. I will say I did like the little vignette aspect of it with the little title cards in between because it looked like you're going through different chapters and I thought that was a cool thing to experience while watching a movie but it still kind of felt a little all over the place but the themes they definitely got right and I appreciate a film of this nature it just didn't seem very cohesive at points Mm. And it was a little hard to follow exactly what we should be looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that's that was my major gripe about it. Of course, you see and you notice off the top all of the the microaggressions and the things that are happening within these three. Because you're following three people essentially in three different aspects of their blackness you know, and it was nice to kind of see that variety, but I just never really could zero in on one main through line that I was supposed to be looking at. And maybe that goes into the vignette aspect of it where you're getting little chunks of things and not the whole picture. And maybe that's why it was filmed in that way, but it was just a little hard for me to follow. So I really don't know how I feel about it. I'm sure my opinion will change after we uh, all discuss this. But Brian, what about you? What are your likes and gripes for this? Sure. I really liked this movie. I totally agree with you. I think um, uh, I think a lot of it was a little convoluted, especially towards the end. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if these... Um, 
yeah, I want to talk through it because I want to ask you both of your opinions on whether you think certain th plot lines and through lines should have been open-ended like they were, or would you like them to have been answered? I think I, last night when we watched, or two nights ago, how I forget, this is the, the what is time, um, when we watched <laughs> <Yeah>. it, um, <laughs> I wanted them answers, but the more I've thought about it, the more I like that they weren't answered because mm. personally, I think that there weren't any ghosts I don't think there were any like horror elements to it. I think that the concept is that the, you know, that like it was just the ghost of racism, past, present, future or whatnot. Right. Um, and we were just seeing it through like the director's lens. Um, so that's the first thing. Uh, my dad, those are my gripes, but I was just blown away by the tone and the feeling that it, um, it presented and made you feel um, I thought the performances were excellent. I thought it was a gorgeous film. I thought it really mm. captured this like gothic Massachusetts. Two things that I take away from this are one, I feel like whenever you see a play or a person's first directed movie, you it's like the themes are everything in the kitchen sink. Like they have so many mm. ideas and feelings that they throw it into one thing where like maybe like a, if it was a little bit more focused, like on one or two things as opposed to like five or six things, it would have been a little bit cleaner and more effective. However, I still liked it. And this really gets me excited for like the next movie that she directs. Like I, yeah. I'm very excited for her career trajectory because I like this movie so much. What clearly she's very good at working with actors and actresses. One, two, mm. she just has such a beautiful eye. And three, the themes in this were just like very effective. And I, and I like, if you compare this to something like Candyman, that the reboot of Candyman that just yeah. came out, I think I like this better because I think it's a little bit more focused than that Candyman one. Mm -hmm. um, even though they're both a bit didactic, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Um, yeah. But I, I dug this, and I have a, a, a thousand questions for both of you in terms of what you actually thought. Um, but we can get to yeah. that. Fantastic. Jamie, what about you? Yeah, I definitely agree with the both of you. Um, oh man, I love Regina Hall. Like mm -hmm. I've I've loved her since Scary Movie. <laughs> I truly you can <laughs> tell the generations by how you know Regina Hall and yeah, our fucking scary movie and is fantastic and I will never not see her in that. Yes. Right? Like, oh man. <laughs> but like, I mean, obviously a tonal shift, even though it's still like referencing horror movies, but like her right. ability to like do both seamlessly just again, like speaks to her talent. Um, so <clears throat> I thought she was great. Um, I thought uh, Zoe Renee was excellent as yeah. Jasmine. Um, just like all like very strong female leads. Um, I uh, okay, so I was thinking about like at the end, and I still kind of am like making sense of how I feel about this movie. Mm -hmm. But as I love Regina Hall, I wish that they gave her more. I felt like her story was kind of incomplete. Whereas yeah. I felt like Jasmine's story, like I felt like they gave us way more of Jasmine. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe that's just like, maybe that maybe I'm wrong. And like their, their stories were running parallel, which is like how I feel like it was presented yeah. and, and it continues to run parallel even after Jasmine is, is 
well, we don't, I don't know what her ultimate demise is, is, you know, as a result of, but, um, like, I just felt like they gave us more with Jasmine's story and like not enough with, with master Bishop's story. And I wanted so much more, but I guess like the conclusion that they wanted us to come to was just like, she thought that she could like change things. And like the reality was that she couldn't, at least Mm -hmm. not by herself, that there was like so much more going on systemically that like she, she just couldn't take all of that on alone. Um, and like, just because of like what's happening with the student body and like with Jasmine that like, you know, her, reflecting on just kind of like cleaning up after people's messes in like multiple on on very many different levels, like is just continuing to be the role that she's serving, um, when it comes to Jasmine. But I still like, I just wanted more, I wanted more with like the, the decaying of the, of the house that she's in. Like, I wish that they like, and, and again, like I, I've mentioned this before. I think that, uh, I don't think I'm smart enough for highbrow horror. And so maybe there was something that I missed and, Mm. and like, didn't, didn't understand, but like, I do wish that they kind of like pushed that a little bit further and Mm. like, kind of, I don't know that there was like more of a conclusion with that. But, um, I, so that was something that I felt like was missed, but otherwise, like, again, I thought that like the, I mean, this movie made me super uncomfortable, um, whether Mm -hmm. it's like just the dynamics in college and trying to fit in, whether it's like all of the microaggressions, like all of it is just like, like it really brought me back. And I was like, Oh my God, like I could never, I could never go back to college. Like (laughs) as fun as you know, like you have these, you, you have these experiences, but like, I, you couldn't pay me to go back and like be a freshman all over again. That is of no interest to me, um, for all of these, for all of the uncomfortability that they, uh, present in this. Absolutely. And that's, that's interesting too, because I did want to ask you guys about your college experience, but I also think it's the, the time that we went to college. It was Mm -hmm. a very different time, even though, and it's, it's crazy next year will be 10 years since I graduated. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's wild to think. Oh well, yeah. Yeah. Me, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> well, okay. 10 years since graduate school, I graduated undergrad in 11. So yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh. Cause we're the same. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. So it's the same next year's also 10 years since I graduated grad school. That makes me yeah. feel better. So Thank you. you. Thank okay. you for clarifying. <laughs> I have questions for you two before we get into our kind of uh, brain segment. Um, Absolutely. So <laughs> the first thing I wanted to point out was, um, and Jamie started to talk about it, is something I, I love the detail in this movie. I love that every single person who was on the janitorial staff or the landscaping staff was black. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and they focus on that. Like the end of the movie when she's walking out, they had lingering shot of her walking. You see the black men changing the garbage can and the black men sweeping. And then when mm-hmm. she closes the door to talk to Jasmine in her office, you see the black man um, as the, the help sweeping outside of her office. And then yeah. on, on top of that, she is always like Jamie mentioned, she's literally always cleaning something in her house, whether she's cleaning the table or whether she spilled the wine and had to clean it up. And that's when she found the cookie jar um, whether she's putting away those like letters or stuff 
Like she's always doing some sort of like labor in her house, um, mm-hmm. which I really added to that like yuckiness feeling. Um, obviously done yes. on purpose. Um, <clears throat> but I, I just I liked how all of that detail and all that background stuff, like nothing was by accident. Um, Mm -hmm. So here's two, here's a couple questions that I want to ask you. I'm going to ask all these questions out loud first. (laughs) And then I'm going to like, just, you can answer whichever ones you feel like answering just so you can get your brain moving. Mm -hmm. What happened in the woods with the roommate? Mm. Um, Did all of that spooky stuff happen? Like, Justin, did the actual spooky stuff happen? <clears throat> was Liv lying? Was she, um, was her father black or was her father white? Um, mm. What was with the cloak that she put back on at the end? Right. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that, that's all I have. Those are my four major <laughs> questions. Yeah, and it brings up a good point of Jamie saying some of the stuff wasn't kind of complete. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it just made me think about these three individual women and their individual journeys. And it seems as though the Regina Hall character, um, she felt like the person who was a little bit more complacent in things or ready and willing to kind of change because we see that when Jasmine first gets to her about complaining about uh, what Liv, the other teacher, that Regina really doesn't do anything to really kind of help her. She just says, you know, this is just going to be a lot to kind of get through, you know, and she's the one that's kind of like cleaning up all the messes and, and taking all of these, micro macro aggressions and just thinking okay there's a greater purpose for this so let me just kind of endure it you know let me just Mm -hmm. kind of get through it and then you have Liv who's the extreme opposite for whatever reason and to answer your question I don't know what to believe about her family background but I did clock what you said about the cloak and her putting that on and would you say you clocked the cloak yeah (laughs) damn you beat me to it (laughs) (laughs) Because she, and I, and this is something that we'll talk about in our next section, but she was trying to find her place and she had to leave her environment in order to try to find her place. But in a sense, in what we see in a lot of people, there was overcompensation. So it's two extremes. Mm-hmm. So you have like Regina, who is the one who's like a little bit more kind of complacent and also darker skin. And then you have Liv, who's like lighter skin, but is overly <coughs> projecting all of her blackness. And for what? Because if her dad wasn't black, then what is her end goal in trying to pretend that she sure. was? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I I tend to agree with that. I think that m- my so th- this is my assessment of it. I think that she is her that was actually her mother, and that mm-hmm. her mother um, had a relationship with the black man, but she didn't want to be kicked. This is I'm creating a backstory. She didn't want to be <laughs> yeah. kicked out of her community and quote lucked out that her daughter's skin tone was lighter. Um, yeah. So that she could at least pretend or lie that her the mm. father was white, um, 
and 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 how that can psychologically like we can talk about that mess with this mm. woman who like I feel like you see a lot of stories or hear a lot of stories doesn't matter black or white any any background or any any whatever where like you discover that you're this percent of this and you like do this history and you want to like incorporate that part of you that's newly discovered into your life and sometimes you yeah. overcompensate for it um Mm-hmm. I think that's one explanation, but my favorite thing about this movie now that we're talking about it and I totally forgot about it until right now is <laughs> the overarching theme of this movie if and let me know if I'm totally off is that just like she says it in the movie. She says that quote where it's like um you know like racism is a ghost. It's there but you can't prove it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um yes. I think that that directly um, links to that awesome scene in class where Liv is teaching the Scarlet Letter and Mm -hmm. Jasmine is having such a hard time pulling racism out of it because it's not there. Whereas the white students have no problem being like, well, just making up the biggest bunch of bullshit about how like racism is in there. Meanwhile, (laughs) racism is like infused in everything and they completely overlook it in the actual system of that school. Whereas they're teaching this piece of art and the teacher who is newly learning about not newly, but like really pushing but newly, yes. newly. Yeah. Um, you know, grew up in a white environment and then is like learning about her, whatever is like mm-hmm. really pushing the students, like find the racism in it because like she didn't really grow up like n- feeling exactly. that same way. Mm-hmm. And this is like a new mm-hmm. feeling and she's trying to like combat it. I, to me, that's like, just got goosebumps. Like that's good writing. That's great writing. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah sorry. I just, I got, no, that's, I mean, I think that's, that's a, that's a great explanation of it. And I think that just ties into, yeah, answering your question. I don't, I think that (coughs) it adds more if we are to believe that her father is black, because then that it leads to everything that you just said, you know, of her just trying to find the racism in, or, you know, find it in everything but I think that's a great point you made of the students being able to say, oh, yeah, I can make up this and say this. But in real life, they are, they're not noticing, you know, all the little all the daily things. And then you see Jasmine kind of in the middle of it, which I love that, too, because, you know, one day the kids are she, they ask, oh, yeah, who are you? And then they're giving <sighs> she says, guess, and they're giving her all those. Oh, my God, I forgot about that names. scene. But even then, but the next day after that, after they're like, oh, yeah, are you Lizzo or Beyonce, blah, 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 she changes her hair. Mm -hmm. And it's a way of conforming. And she's trying to navigate her way through. And then you get to finding another, a black professor, and you're trying to connect with them. And then having Liv just completely kind of dismiss her. And that's one thing, a a tiny thing, but one thing that just really kind of annoyed me because when people are trying to kind of test your blackness in a way, Mm. and I Mm. think that Liv and Jasmine getting um, put up against each other was great because you have Liv who is trying to find everything in her blackness because it's new, but she's doing that and dismissing Jasmine as a whole and kind of gaslighting her and saying, why can't you find 
the racism in Scarlet Letter. And like Brian said, it's, it's not there. <laughs> so also, why am I trying to find racism in everything when I'm living it every day in this PWI? And it's, I think that it's, it's, it's a nice, and I feel like I'm going on a rant, so I'm going to stop myself. But no, this is <laughs> incredible. Keep, keep going. But it, it was just, it was, even talking about it, it makes me kind of like it even more. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, so I'm glad we're having this discussion because you find those little things and, and it's just great watching how Jasmine is trying to pull from these elders a sense of being and belonging, but they're both so extreme, Regina mm-hmm. and Liv, that that's what got her confused in, in the first place because she doesn't yeah. want to conform to everything, but also she's understanding that not everything in that sense, you know, she, she can just kind of like see through Liv and see how she's faking it. And I think that's it's beautiful. Because I would actually, so two things, I would actually mm-hmm. argue that the cloak, the when we when we cloak clock the cloak at the end, yes. I would argue that like the to me now that we're talking this out loud, the cl- I don't think that I do not think that Liv was like this spooky figure trying to like do whatever. But mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's res- um, uh, symbolic of three things. One, deep down inside, she will always be that little white girl from the isolated community because that's how she grew up, and it's really mm-hmm. hard to to like flush out those those things that you have learned and ingrained as you as a kid, whether it's racism or, or whatever the case may be. I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is that we see that we see that cloaked figure kind of chasing her when she's killed. Um, Jasmine rather. Um, Mm -hmm. I would argue that even though Regina Hall's character pushed her back to school, meaning like you need to prove yourself like racism, you are always going to have racism, but you need to push through it. Even if it's not the mm-hmm. healthiest situation for you, w- Regina Hall's character Bishop blames herself for Jasmine's death. But I actually think from us, the third person, it was live was responsible for her death. And that mm. is why she's wearing that mm. cloak. That's why she's chasing her because the person that she thought she could connect with that like is putting her in a box is actually what messed with her head the most more than anything yeah. Regina Hall did. And like whether mm. or not she's black or white, um, the live character, she was just as patronizing and, 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 and judgmental and keeping her on the precipice of being, a part of something um, as much as those white girls as telling her or, or the group of people screaming the N word while they're singing the song around her. Oh my God. Cringe. Absolutely. So So I think that's symbolic that like live in live trying to figure out who she is and where she belongs. She actually did harm to this student. Um, Mm -hmm. It reminds me a lot of that, his house scene where yes. she's lost in in that English town that they're living in. And she's like, all the white people are giving her looks and whatnot. And then she finally yes. finds this group of black kids who she thinks she's going to connect with, but it doesn't matter because she's still the immigrant and can't fully speak English. And like, you could see the like, the, the, the soul drift out of her when she can't even mm. be connected with another group. Um, Oh man, I guess got goosebumps. I love his house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, oh man, I'm so happy we're talking about this movie. There's so many more layers than in, in talking about this than I even realized while watching. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And to even go back to your question about what happened in the woods with the other girl. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I looked away and missed something. But, like, can can the two of you explain to me what happened or what you think happened? Because the girl also screams, like, I can't believe this is happening again. Or, like, she like right. it seems like this is, like, repeated behavior. So I don't know what the answer to that is. Also, don't run at night. What the hell are you thinking? Exactly. That school is just creepy in general. Jamie, do you have yes. thoughts about that? <laughs> I, I was like really, yeah, I was really confused because I was under the assumption that like she was being assaulted. Um, right. But uh, but then it's like, yeah, like, I mean, I think that that can still track based on her reaction of like, no, I don't want to go to the nurse. Like, I, like the idea that she's resistant to going through a process of like reporting something because of what because of the reality of what comes from reporting sexual assault, um, especially on college campuses, which like most schools have their own disciplinary process. And I say that with quotes, realizing that I'm recording a podcast and people can't see me (laughs) is quote, 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 disciplinary process. So it's not, it's not like the, you know, the criminal justice process where like police are involved all the time, unless you want mm. them to be, it is a separate process wow. that, that most colleges, um, do. And that's like the, um, oh my God, I don't know my titles, title nine, um, on college campuses, it, it, like the, they're, they're responsible. I hope that's not wrong. Uh, they're responsible for, uh, for like, navigating sexual assault on college campuses and like every schools I think is like required to have, um, this like, like folks on campus to, to help. But again, it's like, what, what has she been through already where like, she doesn't want to go through this again. And all of this is like a huge assumption because like, there's like some clues, but just not enough information. So like, I'm just speculating. Yeah, and I'm wondering what is the what was the purpose of that particular storyline in relation to the main characters? Yeah, the uh, one I again I don't know what happened. I was a little bit lost during that sequence, um, mm. only because I don't think it was clear. Even with them being vague mm. about it, I don't think it was clear enough in how vague it was. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it could be too plot wise. It served the her roommate leaving. That's what it sort of plot right. wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thematically, the only thing I can think about is it presenting the hierarchy within schools where it's like at the bottom of the rung is the black woman. The next up mm-hmm. is maybe the black male or maybe the um, white female. Then it's black male maybe. And then it's definitely white male at the top. That's the mm-hmm. only thing I can think of that maybe she was sexually assaulted. Those white boys ran away, no consequences. And she had to leave, but didn't die versus Jasmine's consequence by staying as a black woman. That's the only thing oh, I can think of. That's nice. But it's yeah. super yeah. out there and totally like convoluted. No, I don't think it's out there. Cause I was kind of thinking the same thing about like, mm. this is a, a reminder that like, I mean, I don't know, in some ways then it, it it can feel like it's taking away from like the narrative of our main characters, that it's a reminder that like there is this hierarchy and like without, mm-hmm. like with, I, I don't even remember the, the roommate's name. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't either. Alicia? Uh, Amelia? Amelia. Yeah. I think it was uh, Amelia. Okay. So the, well, the roommate, um, 
that without Jasmine with her, that like, she's not like on top, so to speak. Like when she's with her crew, it's like her Mm -hmm. and those two other white girls and Jasmine. And like, they're constantly, you know, doing things that are undermining Jasmine. But when she's by herself, that like, she doesn't have, like, it's like a loss of power and she doesn't like, especially with two white guys. So like, you know, I think that, that, that I think that you're onto something in terms of what you're thinking that that scene might represent, but then it's like, it's taking something away from Regina Hall and like Jasmine's story, which is what I think is actually on the forefront. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, what was the point? Like, why, why throw that in there? Um, and I think uh, going, just piggybacking off of what Brian said, the, the other thing is that the roommate got the opportunity to get out of her situation and Jasmine mm-hmm. didn't have the opportunity to get out of her situation. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just looking at both of those views of something happened to the roommate and immediately she ha- she could just go. That's fascinating because mm-hmm. if you look at it from that perspective, I love that. Because if you look at that from perspective, even you could even go a step further and say that Jasmine could leave. Even though she didn't really talk to her mom, it seemed yeah. like that she still had the option to leave without the same opportunity. Whereas if yeah. – if, uh, the roommate left, which she did, she's still white and has more opportunity elsewhere at like prestigious schools or good schools mm, or whatever the mm-hmm, case may mm-hmm. be. And I think to go back to Jamie's point, and I do think that now that we talk about this, maybe this undercuts the story. I don't know. But the idea that like we're all, at least the women in this movie, we're all in our own horror movies. Her horror movie mm. is something so different than the than mm. Jasmine's horror movie, and we only see a glimpse of it from the bishop's perspective. When she like, you could probably make a whole nother horror movie just about what um, the roommate went through and how she sees um, Jasmine. Again, whether or not that m- moment needed to be in this movie is a whole nother question. But maybe yeah. if we're onto something like. I, I, I could see that making a little bit more sense in terms of like it's it's racism, but it's also gender equality. It's also entitlement mm-hmm. and privilege. Wow, there are a lot more layers to this than I anticipated. So many more <laughs> layers. And it's so interesting too, the 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 layer of what's real and what's not, what's in Jasmine's dream and what's not. Because I don't know about y'all, but when that cross was burning, I thought it was a dream until Regina mm. came and I was like, oh, this is actually happening on the campus right now. Go ahead, Jamie. Uh, The scene that they cut into it was actually one of my favorite scenes in this whole movie. I almost forgot to say that in my likes, in likes Mm -hmm. and gripes. When it, when you see, because I think that that's a really good point. And they like switch to that, uh, the recording, like the promo video of of the, oh oh my my God, God. that was so good. And like, it, it also like, yes, it cuts the tension of like, you know, a scary moment in the movie, but Mm -hmm. oh my God. God, that was such a good, that was like, 
it really felt like the perfect representation of like, oh, here's an all white institution that has to highlight the diversity, the quote diversity on campus. Let's take every person of color, the three people of color that exist on this campus and throw them in this video. Like, God, how often do you see that? I mean, like I see that at my job. I see that in like all areas of life they're doing stuff like that. It's, it was just, it was perfect in that moment to, to like put right next to the, the cross burning and like, but then, and then I was confused. Like there was a moment where I was confused because of like what you were saying of like, is this real what's going on? And like, we can talk about the sleepwalking of it all, but like, I, Oh man, I, I loved that. I thought that was hysterical. And I would just like to piggyback and say, Honesty and transparency is a beautiful and wonderful thing. And institutions that don't have a lot of diversity, I personally, as a person of color, would rather see you say, hey, look, this is how we are now, but we're trying to change. Don't just say, here is the diversity that we have and just put, like Jamie said, your three, four, five diverse people of color in your commercial. Just say, look, this is how we look now, but we are actively working to try to get better. And then leave it at that instead Mm -hmm. of just pretending that you're something that you're not. It's frustrating. And then Mm -hmm. the last thing that I'll say, because you bringing up that scene, Jamie, reminded me of another scene that I had my mouth open and I was not breathing was when Liv was playing the rap music at the party. Oh yeah. Because after you suspect that she's not black at all. And then that entire scene, that whole tension, that was wonderful. I think that for me, that was the best scene in the movie of how they set everything up Mm -hmm. and how Liv is just trying to live her best, you know, black life. And Regina's like, what are you doing? And then had that <laughs> outburst. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. That's also, oh, something I brought up to Jamie when we watched it, and then we should probably get to the brains. But yes. something that I talked to <laughs> Jamie about when I watched this is the beginning of the movie sets up the fact that she's been promoted, the Regina Hall character. She's been promoted. Mm-hmm. But uh, the fact that she's been promoted means like it feels like she's been there for a while they made a comment about how she got tenure there and and all of that what's what's weird though and obviously done on purpose is that her relationships with Liv and her relationships with all of the other masters feels like they just met each other it feels like yeah. not deep at all which i think is done very much on purpose um, mm-hmm. that like, even though she's been there for X amount of time, she got this promotion. She's been in this bubble where she can't even like see the racism anymore. Um, until yes. Jasmine kind of like brings it out and moving into this house that has like the servants quarters upstairs where she's actually seeing the past and realizing that she's just a maid, as she says at the end, like mm-hmm. those relationship building, everything in this movie, again, back to the details is so specific and detailed and it adds to that tone of like, what are these relationships? Like what's happening here? Like I thought that yeah. was just spectacular. Yes. Oh, it's always so nice to talk through all of this stuff because definitely just so many different layers and, 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 and things in this, but we should get to our uh, next section. Mm, brains. <laughs> <laughs> And discuss everything that is 
mental health human behavior in this movie, which is a lot. Now, Jamie, you already brought this up, so I just want to go ahead and ask the question. Jasmine, she suffers from sleepwalking is what we uh, find out, which I think it was a, a good little nugget because they only mention it once. Mm-hmm. And then you keep it with you. And so in those moments where she's having those nightmares, you're thinking, is she sleepwalking? Is this just a dream? You know, what is real? What is not? Mm-hmm. But can you talk to me about what's happening mentally when you're sleepwalking and why maybe some people do it and some people don't? Um, I will say I don't know a lot about sleepwalking in general um, and like what's happening mentally. Um but yeah, do I have anything to say about what's going on in sleepwalking? Um, I mean, it's like there's a there's a collection of uh, sleep related disorders in in our favorite book, uh, the Diagnostic Manual, the DSM. Yeah, um, and <clears throat> I think it's it's like under parasomnia, so it's like mm. something an, a, an undesirable experience during sleep. Um, And like, it's, it's happening during a deep stage of sleep, but I don't know. I'm not like, you know, super familiar with like, is it REM sleep? Is it not REM sleep? Blah, 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 blah. Um, I think something that can cause sleepwalking is like stress, which Mm. makes a ton of sense for this movie and like a lifestyle like a huge shift in lifestyle, like going, like a transition in life, going away to college, yeah. um, you know, sleep deprivation. Like if you're, if she's like weirdly in the library at three o'clock in the morning. Exactly. I mean, I, I say weirdly, but like, I mean, probably for college students, not weird, super normal. Like, again, it's been quite a few years since I've been in any like education, but yeah. I mean, I was, you know, working on papers at all weird times. So like, you're not getting a lot of sleep. You're super stressed out. You're trying to deal with life transitions. Like all mm-hmm. of these, all, with these powers combined, like that can, that can, uh, contribute to sleepwalking. So if it's something that she's like already been dealing with and then like all of these new factors are also introduced, it makes a lot of sense that, you know, it's something that she's like continuing to, to deal with. Yes. And I do, this is going to be random, but not random, but even with your knowledge of sleepwalking, do you think that diet at all could help, um, with sleepwalking? And I only ask this because Well, a long time ago, there was an episode of Hey Arnold (laughs) in which... Uh, You have my attention now. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I learned so much with those Nickelodeon cartoons in the 90s. They were on some some good stuff. But there's an episode where Helga, she is eating pork rinds and it's something that is new in her that she introduced to it, to her diet and that caused her to start sleepwalking and almost revealing that she loved Arnold because she sleptwalked to his house and then they, she finds out later in the episode that the back of the pork rinds bag says can side effects can cause blah 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 blah, blah sleepwalking <laughs> is that just a made up cartoon thing do you think diet could ever kind of contribute to that happening or any kind of sleep thing happening. Jamie, don't answer that because Hey Arnold cannot be proven wrong. (laughs) Fair. Uh, Very valid point. Thank you, Brian. Um, I don't know about food in particular, but I do Mm -hmm. think that like some medications 
could potentially. And also in a quick Google search, it says that GERD uh, can... Can potentially, Third. yeah, trigger sleepwalking, like gastro. Oh my god, gastroesophageal uh, reflux disease. Got it. Yeah. Okay, uh, I do want to ask something about uh, urban legends, which I know is your favorite, mm. Jamie. You love an urban legend, love and so. Em. I, I do appreciate, again, another like, now that we're talking through this, of what I liked in the movie. But I did like the setup of <coughs> there is a witch. She haunts people. She haunts this room. And so that's where we're thinking that the narrative is going. But it's all just kind of like a metaphor for the racism at the institution. <coughs> but we get that in our heads because they already said it, you know, the urban legend in our heads. So how can urban legends cause kind of a false narrative? Because after Jasmine heard about it, now she's extra just kind of cautious. You know, she um, is cautious about the room that she's in or and, and the sleepwalking isn't kind of helping the situation either. But yeah, how can urban legends just kind of create false narratives in, in our brains? Um, so I think, I don't, I don't know if this is like, I don't think this is specific to urban legends, but it makes me think of, um, like confirmation bias or, or more so like, I don't know if it's confirmation bias, but like, you know, when you get something like stuck in your head and then it's like all you see and like, it's like you're, you're noticing themes out in the world because like you've become more sensitive to it and more aware of it. Mm. I, I feel like that's part of maybe what she could be experiencing is just like her, she's like on higher alert because like now that she has this information, it's like where she, where she actively seeking it out. Like it's like, she is actually seeking it out in the library. She like finds the diary of the former resident and is like reading about her experience and then like seeing or experiencing things that like are connected or at least she's, she might be believing to be connected again. Cause it's like already in her head. And again, maybe that's confirmation bias, but mm-hmm. so I don't know if it's necessarily like the urban legend, but I will say like, you know, how does knowing or hearing urban legend, like for me, how does, uh, you know, the, the urban legend of, uh, do you know the one about, the person who has like the dog and they have their arm over their bed when they're sleeping and they, they feel their dog like licking Licking their hand and they're like, Oh, it's just their dog. It's just my dog, blah, blah, blah. And they like wake up the next day and their dog has been murdered and there's blood on the wall. And it says people can lick too. No. Well, my day is ruined. (laughs) Um, so like, now when I sleep, I, there's no limb that's going to be hanging over the edge of my bed ever for the rest of my life Absolutely. for many reasons, but that's just one example. But it's like, how does that then, how does like having like information then like shift your perspective and like how you're moving through the world because like you've heard this thing. So like how does hearing this urban legend then just like change Jasmine's course course of her life because like now she has this information. And again, whether she's seeking things out to 
to like affirm her her belief of whether or not the story of the witch is real mm. or it's just like already on her mind. And so she's seeing things that then she's like, oh, I'm I'm interpreting this to like reinforce something about what I already know. Um, yeah. So that was that was my urban legend example. I have more if you'd like them. No, thank you. An- another time. <laughs> I'll save them for later. But at, like at sleepaway camp, like there were tons of urban legends, and like mm. even though they're not true, or you're not going to be killed by Cropsy or, or Bloody Mary or something like that, like Bloody Mary, there's mm. still this sense of like being out in the dark that like adds an extra level of fear. That's not just the dark. And I, I think for tone wise for this, like just there's that like extra scary thing in your head. Yeah, absolutely. That's how as a non-professional, th- there's just that extra scary <laughs> thing in your head. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I concur. Uh, yes, that's oh, I'm a therapist now, and it's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> As long as the therapist signs off on it, then it makes you a therapist. Oh, yep. cool. Great. This uh-huh. is great news. <laughs> yeah, congrats. Thank you. So, Jamie, as a, a therapist, <laughs> if someone is going through the work suppression as, you know, a Regina or a, a Liv, as a therapist, if they still love their job enough to want to stay there, what are some tools to kind of help someone who is feeling, and it doesn't necessarily uh, have to be specifically about racism, sexism, Mm -hmm. but just in general, some ways that they can kind of hone in on that suppression that they're feeling at work, especially again, if they actually do love the job and they want to stay there. Yeah, this is, this is great because this is like a lot of, uh, this is a good chunk of what I do at my job um, is like, I mean, and I would say like, especially during the pandemic where I think like there's been a lot of different experiences that folks have had at work and, you know, sometimes noticing like conflict or tension between their, their personal values and like the values of the organization that they might be employed by, or just, you know, like there's elements that make the job less desirable and it's competing with like why they're there in the first place and like what, what they're passionate about and like, how do you kind of hold both of these things? And it's really hard. Like it's, I think acknowledging, I think it's important to acknowledge, like for some people it's, it's not about just like quitting their job right? Like that's not, Mm -hmm. that's not a reality for everyone. Like it's easy as an outsider to say like, just leave. But the reality is like, you know, for some folks, you know, they, they might have like really high up positions and they might be, uh, at a, at a financial level where like, if they leave the, the, the cut that they would take in compensation is like not sustainable for living. Um, so like that's, you know, that serves as a huge barrier to, to leaving, um, for, for other people, um, you know, they feel like they're abandoning their, their colleagues or like maybe they're a supervisor. Like maybe they feel like they'd be abandoning their staff that they are supporting. Um, so like there's all kinds of reasons that it's really difficult to just say like, I'm going to cut and run. Um, and so I think like, I think, 
once you kind of come to that conclusion of like, I can't necessarily leave, but like, this is definitely impacting me. Like that's where, that's where like setting boundaries, self-care, like when we talk about Mm -hmm. self-care, it's not always just, you know, get manicures and yeah, spa days and things like that. That certainly can be a part of it. Like I love painting my own nails. I find that very relaxing. Um, (laughs) but self-care at work also looks like how do you, how do you, like, when do you take breaks? Like, are you mm-hmm. actually like taking time for yourself throughout the work day? Is that possible? Like you need time to just kind of like decompress and, and have time to yourself and take care of yourself in, in, you know, in other ways, like feeding yourself, um, like drinking water, things like that. Do you have a support system, whether it's like at work? I know we talk about like supports all the time, but again, like it's, it's because it's so, it's so valuable. So like, do you have a support system at work, like a a group of like peers or or colleagues that like you feel connected to and, Mm -hmm. um, and like can be there when you need to lean on them, um, or even outside of work, like, you know, making sure that you're not isolating yourself and having like your connections that, that help you feel sane and, um, and like you're managing, but like, that's a huge piece too. Um, if you're feeling like not as connected to the mission or like what's drive, if it, it's a, if it's more of just like, this is just a job, like it's not anything I'm super excited about. Are there other areas in your life that you can like tap into something that you are, something that gives you meaning, something yeah. that you're really passionate about. Um, so like filling time outside of work with like other interests so that you're able to like tap into that, passion and meaning and energy, the things that like, you know, fulfill you and sustain you, um, whatever that might look like that could be creative outlets that could be volunteering that could, it could be literally anything that makes you happy. Um, but making sure that you are like intentionally making time for those things. Um, I think like these are, these are all like different things that I, um, that I've talked to clients about in terms of like how to, how to manage like the pressure of, mm-hmm. of work or like feeling like you're going to burn out because like, there's just a lot of things that are kind of like pulling you down. How do you stay afloat? How do you, how do you like survive some of these situations? Absolutely. And I think it's so important about the self-care aspect, not just being, like you said, going to get a manicure or whatever, but really kind of doing something that mentally gives you a sense of calmness And there's a book uh, that I'm reading that kind of talks about stress and the cycle of stress. And even when you are stressed, just not suppressing it, but letting your body actually go through the entire cycle and complete it in order for you to kind of like process it. And I think that's also kind of a good thing that we don't think about because in this book, it just specifically talks about like you can take yourself out of a stressful environment, but still feel a sense of stress. And it's because you didn't process what was happening beforehand. And when you are at home, I think that self-care aspect of it is just kind of like dealing with your feelings too, you know, Mm because a lot of the times you just want to say, oh, I have this work to do. I need to, I have this deadline. I have whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're not really kind of letting yourself feel all the emotions that come with the stress, with the deadline, with everything. And I think that is something that's also can be very, very uh, beneficial in any kind of environment in, in that sense. 
But all great things, Jamie. Uh, so gaslighting, there's so much of that in this movie. Just so many people gaslighting the hell out of the Jasmine character. We talk about gaslighting a lot, but I don't think we talk enough about why people do it in the first place and where that could be coming from. So Jamie, can you just kind of talk to us about why people might use gaslighting in the first place? Yeah. It's so funny. Cause I was just like, let me just like run a quick Google search of gaslighting and literally brought me to a link that I had opened yesterday no. <laughs> with, with clients. So like, there oh, you go. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so just to inform our, our listeners, gaslighting is a form of manipulation. Um, I think it's like most often referenced in romantic relationships and emotional abuse, um, <clears throat> but it's not exclusive to romantic relationships. This can happen in any type of relationship, but essentially it's where the, um, the perpetrator is misleading the target, creating a false narrative and making them question their reality. Um, you, if you are on the receiving end of being gaslit, you might feel like your perception of what's going on is, is, is not totally based in reality. You might feel like you're going crazy, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's covert. So again, it's not always like explicit of like, I am gaslighting you and your perception is wrong, but it's more of just like, you know, it could look like, oh, you know, that didn't really happen that way. Or like right. you're blowing this out of proportion. You're making stuff up. It's not that big of a deal. Um, yeah. Oh, you're just being crazy. You're overreacting. Calm down. Why are you so sensitive? Um, <laughs> everyone's like, oh my God, Jamie, stop. Yeah, I just, um, I just had so- a lot of anxiety. <laughs> um, so... A lot of it, I think, comes from, again, it it doesn't always have to happen in a romantic relationship because I think more often than not, it's coming from like a narcissist, a narcissistic type personality. Mm. And so it's, it's more about like, you know, you have to be wrong because there's not a, there's nothing wrong with the way that they're thinking, but also, and like they're, that like narcissists aren't willing to accept responsibility or blame for like them doing anything wrong. So like it has to be your fault. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, and like, yeah, like doesn't have that level of self-awareness, but all the, like, that's not always true, but like sometimes they don't always have that self-awareness between like their actions and the consequences that then lead you to have feelings, which is again, a consequence of like, whatever the narcissist might be doing. Um, and so I don't even remember what the other questions are. I'm just like talking about narcissism. And no, I mean, but yeah, like and I gaslighting. Think why people gaslight. And it is, you said it's just, it comes from a narcissistic tendency within the other person. Yeah. And I think like in the, in the context of like this, especially like <clears throat> in the grand scheme of things and talking about racism, like mm-hmm. how often do you hear people be like, well, I'm not racist. Like I'm a, I'm one of the good white people. Um, like stuff like that, where it's like, you know, <laughs> like that is narcissistic. Like, of course, like, yes, of course you're racist. Uh, like, <laughs> you know, like, how could you not be? And that, that again, 
like talking about not having that self-awareness, like that is lacking that self-awareness because of privilege. And like, you're not, you, you are literally going through life, not having to think about these things in the same way. And so like when you're being called out, it's like, it's, it's like too much to, to force yourself to internalize and reckon with that. And therefore it's, it's like, no, you must be the one overreacting. You must be overly sensitive to this. Like it's not that big of a deal. Everyone does that, like all of those things. Um, so, I mean, if you're on the receiving end and you're, you're feeling like, am I like, if you're questioning, doubting your own emotions, your own experiences, you might, you might be experiencing some form of manipulation, some gaslighting. And, and that's a really, it it feels awful to have other people question you, but then to question and doubt yourself and, and feel like insecure around uh, other people around your own experiences. It feels really powerless and, and you feel alone. Um, so if, if you're experiencing that, that might be a sign that there's some manipulation happening. happening with, yeah. That just reminds me, have you guys seen on, well, on TikTok, and I don't know what my algorithm is anymore because this is just a variety <laughs> oh, of you, whatever. You don't get Titanic survivor interviews from the 1970s <laughs> with me? <laughs> you still getting what? those? No, I haven't oh got them in God. a bit, but that's the weirdest. That's the weirdest TikTok place I've been so far. Hmm. Yeah, well, for some reason, my algorithm popped up, which is great because I like this. John Stewart has, which I didn't know, has this segment called The Problem with Blank. And so now there's one going around of the problem with white people. And he's mm. talking just to other white people. And when, Jamie, you were talking about people who are screaming, I'm not racist, he was mm-hmm. talking to someone who was screaming that <laughs> of not being racist. And this other white woman was just saying what you're saying, you know, like you can't gaslight the situation and the fact that you're even getting so upset about this and so offended at what, you know, is being talked about here. It just kind of says something about where you are really, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's, that it's, made me, uh, that made me think of, uh, Dino Z-Way and like her TikToks that I've ended oh, up yes. on a lot. Oh my gosh. Yes. They're she, amazing. They're so good. Um, <laughs> where she like is trying to intentionally trap people into saying, offensive things. Um, yeah, those, those, the baited, uh, TikTok series is, is excellent. Um, that's sometimes where my algorithm takes me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What? And she has, um, sorry, but she has that video about, um, get your ass up and work, but it's just, you know, the, with the Kim Kardashian thing and it's just like something about, not working and getting money. Yeah. <laughs> it's that, it's, yeah, that soundbite from Kim Kardashian was trending. I think it's her yes. and Patty Harrison and they're like d- dancing to yeah. it. Like uh-huh. they turned it into like a whole track and they're like dancing. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. pretty sure I saw that. Fantastic. <laughs> so I, I have Love a, it. I have a question. Um, yes. and maybe I'm stealing one of Nikisha's questions, but, um, one of my one of the most beautiful scenes in the movie, and we talked about stress before and all of that, was when she meets the other black girl in the bathroom, um, mm-hmm. and she hands her the pamphlet, and um, and uh, they hug, and for like one moment in time, she like releases her tension, and she feels like she's quote home in some ways, um, and mm-hmm. then and then it's interesting because you kind of see it through two perspectives. The one perspective is jasmine's perspective where like 
she's been given kind of this golden ticket to a place where she might be able to feel safe and create connections with people who look like her, act like her, maybe have similar backgrounds as her. Um, and you have mm-hmm. that. But then you have the perspective of the white girls who make the joke about like, oh, I get approached by Chabad all the time. Or, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it also, it almost from their lens comes as, comes through as culty. We're like, oh, you're going to join that yeah. cult or that whatever. Um, 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 I guess my, so I guess based on that is my question is, <laughs> I'm assuming that all those other, what they say, eight girls, seven girls or whatever it is, um, or, yeah. or not even girls, but that, that, the, um, that group are, it's almost as if they're protected from some ways from the witch of racism because mm. they're together in a group. And they're, again, we always talk about in this podcast, how if you're an individual or you're weak, you're the vulnerable one. And that's how the monster or the allegory or whatever it is, picks you off and breaks you down. Yes. Mentally mm. first. Do you, one, can we talk a little bit about finding community um, and like at a school or if you're, and, and how that kind of builds both from a good perspective and a bad perspective. And then two, mm-hmm. this is more open. Like, do you think Jasmine survives if she goes to this group and like finds friendship and is able to kind of drown out everything else because she has a sounding board of these seven other people? Hmm. Well, that also just brings up an interesting point because these other black kids have found this sense of community and Jasmine could have, but why didn't she? But then it kind of also taps into she's in the room. That's the cursed room anyway, quote unquote. And so is it not only is she in that room that is kind of the one that makes people go crazy, but she also is on top of that, a black woman. And so, did that make her even more susceptible to what happened to her because she was in, you know, that compounded environment, sure. you know, also her background, she came from a suburb. Maybe she's more comfortable around white people. We don't know, even though she's like, right. But, hmm. but in the suburb, she was the valedictorian. She was the smart one. So she had leverage. She like, yeah. she had like, maybe she was, Maybe people saw past the judgments that they would have, racist judgments of her, because she was so smart and because they saw her as like something to achieve or or to be achieved. Whereas here, she's just a freshman who's black and maybe is smart. Um, but maybe she, I don't know. I think her background is is could in influence that as well maybe she hasn't had an experience around a lot of black people we don't know that because when somebody says i i grew up in the suburbs like you immediately think that she was still the minority there Hmm. well absolutely well especially when she, she says that they the teacher makes an assumption and she's like why are you making an assumption like this is where i grew up which makes it seem like you said brian that she was in the minority um of that place but yeah to go back to community and uh, Jamie, you can talk about this because we always talk about the importance of finding like a community. But like Brian said, there's a sense of wanting to belong somewhere, but that can have negative effects. So how can you even differentiate between finding ways to belong, but then realizing that this is this is not the environment at all that you need to be in? You know? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think it takes a lot of like. <laughs> you know, exploration and also like, I I mean, I also very much view, uh, like when you talk about like, we've talked a little bit about 
childhood development, but like the, or overall development, the kind of identity formation, uh, like stage typically overlaps with like going to college. And Mm -hmm. so like you're, it's a time where like you are learning who am I and like, who do I want to be? And I mean, I will also say that I'm still figuring that out, but I think it starts around that time. And so it, it's understandable to kind of like figure out and explore like what group do I belong to or like what group do I feel like I connect with that the most. And, Mm -hmm. and like it, I don't think it is easy, even if you have like shared identities or like intersectional identities in common with, with certain groups, like Mm -hmm. that's just, that's just one element of your identity. And that doesn't like encapsulate your, your full, like, experience or like who you are. And so, you know, are there, are there certain things that you get from like one group? Are there other things that you get from another group? Like how do you, how do you feel connected, um, based on like how you identify? And I think it's, I think there is like a learning curve. Um, again, like when we were talking about like, Oh, what were our college experiences? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it definitely, you, I, I like remember bopping around to, to different groups until I like connected. And I, I, I felt really lucky that like for my college, we had the option freshman year to live with folks that took the same first year seminar class as you. So it was like this, like, kind of, um, and, and you didn't have to, you could have done like the regular dorm where it's like, the regular experience and everybody's Mm -hmm. in all kinds of different majors and classes. But I was like, "Mm, I don't know what it's going to be like to like make friends. So I'd rather have at least like some built in way where it's like, Oh, I have one class with like half of the people in this building. So I can always like check in and like build a connection through that. And like, I mean, my, my best friend to this day, my maid of honor was like Mm -hmm. a person that I met from my freshman dorm. Um, and, and we hated each other (laughs) at first, but then we grew to love each other. Um, so (laughs) there's that you have these like multiple shared experiences that like kind of introduce you to one another. And then you like get to know each other and you're like, Oh, we have so much in common. Mm -hmm. We like get along really well. Like, you know, things like that, where I think that but I think it takes time because not every, like I, you know, I, I also work with college age, um, clients and like a lot of them struggle with building connection and that transition. It's really hard. And I feel like there's so much like in, in expectations, like within society, in the media all the time, there is this expectation that college is the best time of your life. And the reality is it is not that. And like, we have to normalize that is that like some people have a lot of people have a really hard time in college and it's not for everyone, the best time of your life. It could be a really hard, really awful time. And I get so like frustrated when I see like, Oh my God, or like, oh yes. man, do you remember <laughs> all of the like rush videos on TikTok? Yes. Um, that were like, like every TikTok, I somehow I ended up in sorority TikTok and I was like, I wasn't even in a sorority. Like, where am I right now? But like, it's, from? <laughs> it's so, but it was so interesting. Cause then I also started to get the people who were in sororities that had 
awful, really traumatizing experiences. And I was really grateful for that. Cause I was like, cool. At least they're like, it's not only pumping the, you know, the, the quote best version of this. It's also pumping the worst version of this because in reality, things are not just black or white, but like the world is very gray Mm -hmm. and, and people, people really have a hard time finding these communities that, that they feel connected to. So, um, so I'll get off my soapbox now. No, I mean, that's that's a great soapbox. And I think that a lot of people do need to kind of recognize that it's like you said, it's it's a gray, it's a gray area. And just trying to find some people that you can connect with to get you through your college experience, you know, it's great and lovely when you can find it, but that shouldn't be kind of your sole purpose for being there. You know, you don't go to college and say, I'm going to find my husband and all of my best friends, which, you know, growing up in the South, that was the thing, you know, you go Mm -hmm. to college and that's where you find your person. And that's when you start building your life and you're Mm. married by 23 and have a kid by 25. And it's just like, what was that expectation where that's nowhere near. I am actually a child still at 32 years old (laughs) and I cannot have, but as far as finding a sense of community, there is there there can be a place for that, and it's it can be a wonderful and beautiful thing. But in the case of this movie, if it's really causing you so much harm that you can't even do the thing that you're supposed to be doing in college, which is learning <laughs> and getting your degree, then maybe it's something that in college is not meant for everyone as well. You know, mm-hmm. you can do other things Absolutely. besides go to college, and then you won't even be in debt. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Fantabulous. Well, that's all the questions that I had. Brian, did you have any other questions? No, we should do some Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, let's do it. Tomatoes. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. (laughs) Okay, so what do you think Master has on Rotten Tomatoes? Mm, I, I feel like it's a low number. I'm going to give it a 60. Jamie? Hmm. I mean, that's not super low, but. Um, I'm going to give it a 78. It has a 75. Oh, wow. nice. Um, Good. It can be didactic rather than truly suspenseful, but Master is an impressively well-crafted horror outing with a lot on its mind. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's a pretty good description of it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I like it. Like it. Cool. Approved. Rotten Tomato approved. <laughs> Tony Horror approved. Um, Certified fresh. Should we do the four S's? Yes. Yes. yes, 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 yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. The Talking Horror's four S's. <laughs> okay. As we all know, the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. We're going to rank this movie one through ten for the first three. Um, one through ten. Okay, so uh, Jamie, for Master, what do you think the skulls is for this? Again, how it deals with mental health and human behavior. Um, I'm going to give this a s- seven. I was thinking six point five seven. I I think that they did a really good job. I feel like this mm-hmm. this like felt like a really real movie and experience, and like the way that the characters were like interfacing and navigating what was going on. Like it felt it it felt pretty accurate. 
I agree. I thought seven as well. Same here for all the same reasons. Mm-hmm. Cool. Scares. How scary was this movie? One through ten. Nikisha, let's start with you. It wasn't as scary as it was just I wanted to throw up at all of the things that were happening. <laughs> <laughs> because the things were real. So I uh, ooh, I'm gonna give it a six because the how everything was set up was just so cringeworthy that mm-hmm. it, it fulfilled its purpose. So I'll give it a six. Jamie? Yeah, I I think I'll give it a five um, for, like, a lot of the same reasoning of, like, just the cringe of it all mm-hmm. um, and, like, unsettling but in, in like, a social commentary way. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to give it a five for all the social commentary and then give it an extra point for when I gasped when the hand came out from underneath the bed. Oh, yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. You were really – any time – you gasped a lot, actually. You should probably bump it up by two. You gasped with the hand – any time the witch showed up, when the hand or, like, behind her, when she fell asleep in, like, that random not, – not the library, but somewhere else. Like, when you were she was like, in the bathroom <gasps> after the shower, the lights went out. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You, you did a lot of gasping. I'll give one point for all the gasps. <laughs> um, all right. Can we get one gasp from you right now? <gasps> Yes. Uh, Perfect. Shakes. Uh, how are you can think about this a lot. Like, what, what are you, is it? Is it you're kind of done? What? What do you? One through ten. Uh, Jamie, why don't you go first this time? Um, I'm gonna give it a seven because, like, I want to keep talking to people about. Like, I want to tell people to watch this so I can keep talking to them about this. And yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, it, I'm I'm still definitely thinking about it. Nikisha. Yeah, I'll give it a six for the same reasons. I, I do want certain people – I'm going to tell certain people to watch it so I can discuss it with them. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 6.5 for the same reasons. I'll definitely be thinking about this. I'll definitely like – if someone's like – you know, if, if someone ever came to me and was like, oh, I just watched – oh, actually, suggestions. Let's go on to suggestions. Um, <laughs> uh, movies that I would suggest for this, um, I'll go first here. Um, there are a ton, I'm sure, and I'm sure some of you will say the same ones. I'm going to go with the new Candyman movie. Um, nice. Just in terms of the uh, systematic racism and uh, just being like like the uh, like the Rotten Tomato said, they're both pretty didactic, but I think for the positive. Um, I, I prefer mm-hmm. this movie to it, but I think that the Candyman, specifically the new one, um, has a lot to do and say. Uh in the same way that I'm excited for this next director's stuff, I'm very excited for Nia DaCosta's um, yeah. next stuff, in, like Miss mm-hmm. Marvel mm-hmm. and whatever she ends up doing. So, like, like these two people who directed these two movies, like, I'm, I really liked this go around, and I'm super excited for what comes next. So, I'll go with Candyman. What about, uh, what about you, Jamie? Um, I went super basic on this. Um you should see get out. I mean, at this point, if you haven't, like (laughs) if you haven't seen get out, then like you should get out, you know? Um, but, uh, and okay, here's, here's something. Can I say like a not recommend? Okay. Can I go the opposite direction? Oh yeah. Because there, yeah. So there was when, when I was, while we were watching this, at some point we paused or maybe we did and I just started talking and I'm so sorry, Brian, but, um, there's another movie that I was excited for and I didn't end up seeing because of like reading reviews. And I, I, I heard 
So Antebellum came out, I forget, sometime in the last two years. Uh And I was like super psyched to watch it. I didn't end up seeing it because I heard that it didn't stick the landing. That's why we brought it up because we were like, what's happening in Master? I really hope it sticks the landing. And I was like, you know, I heard that Antebellum didn't. And Mm -hmm. I heard that like the imagery, like they just use like graphic racist imagery, like, but there wasn't any purpose to it. And I feel like in this, like it wasn't, over-the-top graphic in Master, but I do feel like they used it, like, effectively and not just for the point of being, like, gratuitous and, like, harming black bodies, but, like, what was the point that they were trying to tell? And so... I never ended up watching Antebellum because I heard that like it was just gratuitous and they didn't stick the landing and it was kind of gross. So that's my hot take of not recommending. Oh, and I, you know, I always would have that in my queue to watch because I also love uh, Janelle Bonet. Oh my God, love. And, Saw her yeah. in concert. It was the, <gasps> the best experience. Still, uh, but good to know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll just be something of, I know this is bad, but I still just want to watch it and see it for myself. <laughs> it's still going to be a good suggestion because maybe someone just wants to see the chaos. You know, Fair, fair. Uh, Brian already said one of my suggestions earlier, and that was his house. Mm. Everyone, doesn't matter. Everyone should watch that movie regardless. Like that yes. is, yes. that is hot take. I think that is my favorite horror movie from the past couple of years of that I've seen, obviously. I yeah. just like that movie. I think about it all of the time. It is a number one recommendation for me. I love that. Nice. I sign off on that 100,000%. His house was me signing. Uh, and then my other one was Get Out because that was basic as well. And it's, I mean, but if you want like the best social commentary type movie of our decade, it's Get Out, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yes. Oh, man. I can't wait for Nope. I can't either. Oh my God. I really hope that that sticks a landing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastical. Well, that wraps up our episode of Talking Horror. You can follow us on all of the social meds Twitter, TikTok, Instagram at Talk Horror Pod, P O D. And Brian, where can they listen to us? You can find us wherever you get podcasts, things like Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank, and thank you. you. How do how do you want to sign off on this? <laughs> I can do the Just school bell so again. Was there bells? There was bells in this, wasn't there? Yeah, the servant bells from the, the oh, upstairs. Oh yeah. I was like, there was, and I couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantabulous. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Thanks.